Aristea Goes Everywhere Episode 10 Zagreb Every night when Aristea went to bed, her mother or her grandmother or her auntie would tell her stories of places and people all over the world. And every night, Aristea would dream of great people and breathtaking places. In the morning when she awoke, Aristea would continue to think about the stories and her dreams. Aristea was sure she was a princess, because princesses sometimes have to make very difficult decisions, like Empress Fausta, who warned her husband Constantine that there was a plot to kill him. Or like the Countess Katarina Zrinski, who was the first Croatian woman to publish a book. Aristea wasn't ready to grow up and be responsible for such decisions yet, but she wanted to be ready for them when she was older. Aristea was determined to be the best possible princess she could be, even though it meant that she would have to do very hard things. She hadn't, however, decided what particular kind of princess she wanted to be yet. She thought of being a detective princess, and also that she might want to be an archaeologist princess. She still really hadn't made up her mind about that. Aristea and her mother Antonella were visiting Zagreb, and Aristea realized she just loved everything about the capital city of Croatia. The buildings are very stately, with many of them built during the last century of Habsburg rule. The church domes look very different than in other places, not as oniony as Russian churches, but not at all like the straight churches in Italy. Churches in Zagreb tended to have a curved roof on their spires that Aristea thought made them look very gracious indeed. Zagreb also has a lot of parks and green spaces, and Aristea found it very calming to be able to get away from honking cars and hot asphalt and be surrounded by trees and butterflies and grass. She found it great fun to ride the funicular, which was such a short trip, but very steep, to get to Gornjegrad, the medieval part of Zagreb. She also wanted very much to visit the Natural History Museum, but it was closed while it was being renovated. Aristea had heard that they had the skull of a cave lion displayed, and thought it might help her decide if she actually did want to become a type of archaeologist, so she was very disappointed to miss the exhibit and hoped to come back and see it another time. One day, she and her mother were having a very special day walking around Zagreb and seeing all the parks and buildings. They decided to have a very fancy lunch at the most famous hotel in the city, the Esplanade Hotel. This hotel was built specifically to be a stop on the Orient Express train, Antonella told Aristea. I've never heard of that, Aristea answered. Oh, it was a very famous train route that would take very rich people in very luxurious train cars all the way from Paris to Istanbul. People would stay in compartments that had wood paneling and velvet seats, and they ate very fancy meals with lots of courses in the dining car where people dressed up for dinner. There were servants to help people with anything they possibly needed. If you could travel in luxury on the Orient Express, you were a very rich person indeed, Antonella said. I'll bet princesses traveled on that train, Aristea answered, clapping her hands together. 
princesses definitely traveled on the Orient Express, her mother replied. And I'll bet some of them stayed here at this hotel, too. Aristea could not take her eyes off the lobby of the hotel as they walked in. It was so glamorous and chic and decorated beautifully and luxuriously. I can tell now how amazing the Orient Express train must have been, Aristea said, if this is where people who rode on it stayed. The two of them were seated at a nice table where Aristea could not stop looking at everything. Aristea, Antonella asked, would you like to hear a story about an amazing woman who lived in Zagreb and Croatia at the time of the Orient Express? Aristea nodded vigorously. She was always ready to hear a story. Was she a princess? She asked. Well, she wasn't ever called a princess, but Ivana Burlich Mazurinic was an upper-class woman who made a very big difference for women and children as an author, Antonella responded. Aristea thought heavily. She did very much want to hear about this woman, but she was also realizing she had yet another job she could consider doing. She could be a princess author. I can see you are thinking about being an author now, Antonella said, because she knew her daughter very well. Why don't you hear some more about Ivana, and then you can decide if being an author is something to consider. Aristea agreed and took small sips on her water as her mother started the story. Ivana Burlich Mazurinic was born in 1874, and at that time Croatia was not an independent country, but part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Her family were very important, and they were also wealthy. Her grandfather was a Croatian ban. Here, Aristea interrupted. That means he was a duke, she said, like Countess Katarina Zrinski's husband. Yes, Aristea, but you must let people finish their stories, or they will forget what they're saying to you. Ivana had a very special relationship with her grandfather, who was not just a band, but also a celebrated Croatian poet. Their family used to host many people in the evenings for dinner, and the talk would always turn to politics, literature, and philosophy. Ivana grew up being exposed to many ideas, books, and languages, even though she only had two years of formal schooling. Two years is not very much at all, Aristea said. She sometimes got tired of waking up early to go to school, but the idea of not going at all sounded horrible to her. You have to understand, Antonella said, that things were very different then. Girls were required to attend some schooling in those days, but it wasn't standardized, and girls usually learned more about taking care of a house and family than academic subjects like math and chemistry. The status of girls and women was very regimented, and they had far fewer rights than we do now. In fact, women were never allowed to vote during Ivana's lifetime. In Croatia, women were only able to vote starting in 1945. Aristea's face looked angry, and as though she were going to say something quite rude at the thought of not being allowed the same things as boys. Her mother saw this coming and patted her hand. It wasn't a nice thing, Antonella said, to leave girls behind like that. But it is because of women like Ivana that you and I have the rights we do now. So instead of getting angry about the past, let's be grateful for that. Aristea gave a short nod and the story continued, 
but she sat with her arms crossed in front of her to show she was irritated. Ivana spoke several languages fluently, including Croatian, German, French, English, and Italian. That and her family's connections made her quite a catch in the marriage market, and she was very young when her parents chose a husband for her. Chose? Aristea gasped. Her parents chose her husband? She didn't choose her husband herself? Oh, Aristea, Antonella said. You remember from other stories that this was very common for women in the past. Yes, Aristea said, but I still hate it. Well, in this one instance, Ivana's husband was a very good match for her, although she was married and began having children entirely too young. She had seven children, although two of them died while still babies. Because this was so much stress on her body, she had a lot of bouts with sickness and often had to go away to spas for treatment cures. And Ivana had yet another problem. She was brought up to devote everything to her home, family, and children, and she did this. But she also had an inescapable urge to write. She needed to write. She wrote diaries and letters, and eventually she began writing stories for her children to read. Oh, what a good idea, Aristea said. Did her children love stories as much as I do? They did, replied Antonella. They loved stories just as much. And just the way you love to hear stories about princesses so that you can learn to be a better princess, her children loved the stories Ivana wrote which gave them all sorts of lessons about how to be a good person. Aristea clapped her hands excitedly. Oh, I can't wait to hear some of Ivana's stories. We'll make sure to buy a copy of her most famous book, Croatian Tales of Long Ago, today when we pass a bookstore. But her story definitely did not stop with writing one children's book. Ivana dedicated herself to her family for a very long time. Her husband was a politician, and she supported him very much in his political activities. In those days, women could not be politicians themselves, but they were considered valuable members, as long as men were in charge, of political organizations, because they supposedly brought an emphasis on home and the family. Ivana was very active with her husband. She even won awards for her activism. But still, she felt very strongly that she had to write. She would wait until her children went to sleep and write then. Her first book wasn't published until 1900, and even then she at first used only her initials, because women were not supposed to be authors at that time. That is just crazy, Aristea said. Countess Katharina was already an author, and that was hundreds of years ago. Sometimes people go backward, her mother replied. There were a great many changes coming into the world that Ivana was born into, and that scared a great many people. They thought that everything would fall apart, and so they emphasized even more the roles women were supposed to have in the family in an attempt to keep family values important. Women were not supposed to work outside the home, and that included not writing. Aristea made a terrible face. But, her mother reminded her, remember that Ivana became very famous for her writing. So if women weren't supposed to write, why do you think that was? Aristea opened her mouth, 
but then realized she didn't know the answer. So she shrugged and kept quiet, hoping the story would continue. The difference was that Ivana was writing books for children, and her stories were just lovely, with moral behavior and including quite a bit of history in them as well. And so, the people who decided such things as what was appropriate behavior for women decided that Ivana's writing was quite acceptable indeed. But even bigger changes were coming to the world. In 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated in Sarajevo and World War I began. Ivana's oldest son, named Ivan, was drafted into the Austro-Hungarian army and had to go fight. Ivana herself, along with her two oldest daughters, volunteered for the nursing corps. Oh, like Queen Elena, Aristea blurted out. Yes, like Queen Elena and Princess Yelena and so many other nobles and upper-class women who were responsible and dutiful citizens. And remember how hard being a nurse was, especially if you are taking care of war-wounded. Women had to take over so many responsibilities that had previously been for men only that things began to change very much for them. They were allowed into professions they were previously barred from, even though they still had to fight very hard to practice those professions. They completely changed their clothing as well, discarding the tight, uncomfortable, and long dresses that were previously required everywhere. Now, clothing became much more comfortable, with shorter sleeves and shorter skirts. I like to wear big, puffy, long dresses, said Aristea, they feel very fancy and beautiful and fun. Yes, but imagine if you had to wear a ball gown while you wanted to play in the park, Antonella responded. How would you go down a slide wearing a big puffy dress? And what if you needed to mop the floor? That clothing wasn't helpful for doing practical things women had to do every day. That's why you usually wear things that are far more comfortable. Aristea had to admit that was true. As much as she loved to wear fancy clothes, she had taken everyday things when she went to Disneyland, and the rides were much more fun that way than in a big puffy dress. A very sad thing happened in 1923, her mother went on. Ivana's husband died. This not only gave her more episodes of depression, it also would have a huge effect on her entire future. In those times, men were seen as better custodians of the family money. So when her husband died, Ivana depended entirely on her son Ivan to manage the family. And unfortunately, Ivan was terrible with money. His father left them with a very good amount, and Ivan lost it all. For the rest of her life, even though her books became more and more popular, Ivana had to give her money over to her son in order to keep him from becoming destitute. She had to live in smaller accommodations and had far fewer things like parties and treatment for her depression and spas. I knew there had to be a tragedy in there, Aristea said. It seems like there's always a tragedy. Great people do incredible things, but you can't expect to have only good in your life, Antonella said. Life has good and bad. Aristea knew this, but she also sensed that there was more tragedy to Ivana's story than she had heard so far. In 1934, Ivana was awarded the Order of St. Sava by King Alexander of Yugoslavia. 
She was very proud of this, as she and her husband had been very supportive of the Kingdom of Yugoslavia. When King Alexander was assassinated later that year, she personally wrote a letter to his widow, Queen Maria, about how terrible the assassination was. Queen Maria was so moved by her letter, after all, Ivana was a very talented writer, that she invited Ivana to a royal audience. Ivana was extremely proud of the audience and wrote her daughter how amazing it was to speak Croatian with the queen. She was also the first woman accepted into the Yugoslav Academy of Arts and Sciences, even though she wasn't accepted as a full member and was nominated by the Academy four times for a Nobel Prize in Literature. So she really did make a huge difference for women, even though she was very quiet about it, Aristea said. Yes, Antonella said. Women are now very represented as authors in the areas that used to be Yugoslavia. And Ivana Burlic Mazurinic is a big part of the reason we can choose that. So this isn't ending a tragedy, Aristea pronounced. She was quite relieved to have a somewhat happy ending. Well, Antonella said, not quite. You should probably eat your cake while I tell you the last part. It will make things easier. Ivana was the kind of person who needed to be around other people. And as she grew older and more sick, and because her son had lost all the family money, she became more and more lonely. Eventually, in 1938, she was unable to continue on, and she died at a hospital where she was getting ready to finish treatment. She did live to be 64 years old, though, and thousands of people attended her funeral in Zagreb. That is sad, Aristea said, but she had a big family and they loved each other, and she made so many people so happy with her stories. Losing anyone is a tragedy, but the fact that she lived and made such a difference seems very important, too. You, said Antonella, are really beginning to understand about history, she reached over and smoothed Aristea's hair, and they finished eating their desserts at the beautiful hotel restaurant. Aristea felt so lucky that she had a mother who wanted her to know about so many people and things. And just like Ivana Berlich-Mazurinich made things better for the girls who came after her as writers, Aristea hoped that she would also make things even better for girls in the future. And... She also hoped that her mother would buy one extra cake to take home for later, because it really was the most delicious cake she had ever tried. <laughs>